blessed with gifted people to lead us into the presence of God on Sundays. And we appreciate their ministry and what they're doing. First Samuel chapter 30 today. <clears throat> I want to conclude this series I started several weeks ago entitled Family Matters. And uh, I want to preach this final message in this series today. First Samuel chapter 30. In your Bibles or on your iPhones or iPads or iPods, whatever you have, or you can cheat off your neighbor. I have a PowerPoint I've prepared for you today on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you found it, say amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, this morning. Right before I read my scripture today, I <clears throat> turned around, and to my delight and surprise, there's a whole pew of people that came from Rocky Mountain Church of God today uh, to worship with us, and uh, we're really glad that they're here this morning. So Lee and Loretta Yop and Kristen and Victoria and Caitlin and Rodney and Kim and Alexis, so good to have you guys this morning. Go wave at me so everybody can see right down there, right down here in this fourth row this morning, and uh, <clears throat> so good to have you guys, and uh, glad that you're here today. We, there really were some people that loved us while we were there. And, uh, I'm glad that they're here. What a pleasant surprise. Uh, it's always better when I don't know they're coming, so then when I look, I just have this completely shocked expression on my face. And it's so good to see you. And we just cherish those 10 years of ministry that we had there. And uh, that church is doing so well. Pastor Meredith, many of you know Pastor Meredith, doing an amazing job leading that church to the next level and place of ministry. And I'm thrilled when I hear good reports and hear about the good things that God is doing uh, at Rocky Mount. First Samuel chapter 30, I'm going to begin in the first verse. I'll read through the sixth verse. <clears throat> Here's what the Bible says. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. Verse number two, and had taken captive the women those who were there from small to great they did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way verse 3 so David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire <clears throat> and their wives their sons and their daughters had been taken captive verse 4 then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5. And David's two wives, which was legal back in that day, David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And I conclude with verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. The people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. The soul of every man was grieved for his family. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to take a few moments this morning as I tie up this series, Family Matters, and preach on this thought, strengthen the family. Would you say that with me? Strengthen the family. Father, bless the reading of your word today as I endeavor to communicate to articulate God and to shed some light on the truth of this word that you have deposited into my heart. 
Give every person here today, God, sitting in this auditorium, spiritual ears to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to the family. Give us eyes to see the truth of this scripture, God, and a heart to perceive exactly what you're wanting to speak into our spirits today. And God, when we gather in this altar together as a family in just a few moments and pray a prayer for strength for our families, God, I want you to encourage some people today who feel like their family has come under attack and it's a fragmented, broken mess. God, let them sense the power of God at work strengthening their family. Thank you for what you're going to do today, Father. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing, Pastor Tony. Thank you for your help. <clears throat> this message today is not born out of statistical data. It's not born out of something that I heard on the news or that I've read in the newspaper. But rather it comes from situations and it comes from circumstances that I have over my 12, almost 12 and a half years of pastoring have walked families through. Situations like a husband who feels like he no longer wants to be married to his wife, decides that it's okay just to walk out and has no problem leaving his wife and his children. Situations like two people who are already committed in the covenant of this powerful thing that we call marriage. They feel like it's okay and they have justification for leaving their spouses and involving themselves in an extramarital affair that God's word is very plain and clear that it is wrong and it's sin. It's always been sin. It will always be sin. And nothing that you can say or rationalize in your mind makes being unfaithful in marriage right. Hope you came for the truth today because I'm just going to lay it right smack in your face. You ready? Situations over the years that I have walked people through when a 12-year-old goes over to spend the night with her best friend only to have the best friend's dad slip into the bed and take advantage of her while she's sleeping. Sons and daughters who have stolen from their parents have made bad choices. And phone calls that I have gotten on a Sunday morning or late on a Saturday night that they have taken their 14, 15, or 16-year-old son or daughter and locked them up in a youth detention center. The parent had no choice but to finally press charges because it had gone on for so long. Sons and daughters who are addicted to drugs. I have sat in the courtroom with families. I have heard the judge say it would be in your best interest to never step foot in my courtroom again because the next time that you come, I will send you to the penitentiary. I wasn't even the one on trial, and it sent a shiver 
down my spine. But I have sat in that same courtroom with the same family, the same young person, young adult, told not to show back up in the courtroom, only to be sitting there again and to watch a judge have every intention and every purpose of sending them to the penitentiary, to the prison. I've heard the judge say, if this place doesn't get you cleaned out and get you free from your addiction, there is a three-year program in the penitentiary that we will send you, send you to. I have sat in that courtroom when that young person had come back, and I'm watching and I am waiting for the sentence to come. And I mean on a, a, a just on a, a, not a whim, but in just a moment of time as he's getting ready to bring the gavel down, he says, known as one of the toughest judges in Virginia, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give you one more chance. I have sat there. I'm telling you, when I sat there that day, everything was not my daughter, was not my son, but God help me, I was scared for her. And the family's there, and I'm in my, in my mind, my eyes are filled with tears. I'm in my heart, I'm, I'm begging God, please do something. Please have mercy. Please get one more chance. And that judge had no idea that the Holy Spirit was at work in his heart had no idea that God was directing his decision and to say, I'm going to give you one last chance and you better get it right. And I'm happy that I can tell you today that they got it right. And they're serving God and they're taking care of their little girl and they're involved in ministry. I, I have sat in places like that. But I have been in that same courtroom and have watched as a young man was there having broken probation. Had went to the ABC store and stolen. I'm not going to reference where. I've been a lot of places in my ministry. So you can just kind of guess if you want. And he said, before we start, I want you to drug test him. And they take him out and they drug test him. And he says to him, if you fail, I'm putting you in jail immediately. The bailiff walks back in, looks at the judge and says, he failed. There's no trial that day. They handcuff him and take him to jail. And when I look at all of that, and I see all of that, it makes me want to stop and ask, when will the insanity end? Why is family life so difficult these days? Why are marriages falling apart? Why do our sons and daughters gravitate toward things that they have been taught is harmful and will cause them pain? And the only thing that I can come up with, Sister B. Ogle, is it must be attributed to the work of an enemy of our soul called the devil. He is the mastermind behind the attack, Pastor Tony. 
that our families are going through. You know, Jesus described the devil in John 8, 44. He said that he was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, Jesus said he is the liar and the father of lies. And when he speaketh a lie, one version said he speaks in his native tongue. The only language the enemy knows is deception and falsehood and lying. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 that we should not be ignorant of his devices, of his schemes. Paul admonished us in Ephesians 6 and 11 that we must put on the whole armor of God. Why? So we can stand against the schemes and the strategies and the tricks of the enemy. Listen, as great as the plan of God is for your family, don't think for a moment that the enemy will sit back and just let God's plan come to pass without some kind of fight, without some kind of attack. And that's why Peter would admonish us and say in 1 Peter 5 and 8 to be sober. Don't be in a spiritual stupor. Don't be spiritually drunk. But be vigilant because your adversary and you do have an adversary the devil he walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but I just want to clarify something today he may be a roaring lion he may be looking for someone to devour but I hear the word of God ringing in my heart that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world I hear the word of the Lord declaring that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him as great as the plan of God is yes the enemy has a plan but God is greater and God is stronger and God is more powerful than any demon or devil or force from hell that wants to take your family down I made up my mind a long time ago that as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Lord, hallelujah. Come on and praise him today. I'm not sure it was in my breakfast this morning, but I'm feeling good today. In this Old Testament passage, it reveals to us an attack against David and his men and their families. Verses, and I'm going to go back in a moment and tie up some loose ends for you. Verses 1 and 2 reveal for us the severity of that attack. Verses 4, 5, and 6 reveal for us the, the standard or the natural response that any of us would have if our family went through that. Let me just give you just a quick brief overview. David... The shepherd boy, anointed to be the king, had to wait in the wings until God removed Saul. And because of Saul's jealousy, and because of Saul's paranoia, 
he tried oftentimes to kill David and to take David out. And David in his fear for his life became so desperate one time that Brother Turpin, he joined himself to the Philistine army, the arch rival of the Israelites. And David went to that commander of the Philistine army and said, listen, I want to, to, to be here with you and I, I want to I want, I, want to, I want to help you eliminate some of your enemies, which obviously David wasn't doing that. He said, would you please give me just a little place, a little town of my own that I can live? And that, that commander of the Philistine army gave him a place called Ziklag. He said, it's yours. You can live there. David would come in and he would go out and he would make raids against the Amalekites and these other foreign lands that had caused the Israelites so much trouble. But he never volunteered that information to the commander of the Philistine army. And finally, one day, as they are, they are filing themselves in rank and order, and the Philistines are getting ready to go to battle with the Israelites, the princes, the Bible says, of the Philistines say, what is this, what's this Hebrew doing here? What's, what's going on with this Hebrew? These Israelites, they can't be here with us. They might turn on us. They, 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 they might give away our, our secrets. So... The commander of the army says, listen, David, you've got to leave. You can't be here. You've got to go, go back to Ziklag. So David begins what is a three-day journey from where he was with that Philistine army back to Ziklag, that little small town that had been given to him. As they make their way back on that third day, as they crest the top of the hill, and they look down into that camp, that place that... By, for all intents and purposes, had become their home. He sees smoke billowing up in a cloud. The more that he walks and the closer that he gets, he's expecting to hear the noise of children playing. He's expecting to hear the women talking and possibly preparing dinner. The closer he gets, the more smoke that he sees, and it is eerily quiet. There's not a sound to be heard in their home. And when they finally get to Ziklag, the place has been ransacked. Nothing is left. The Bible said that it had been Invaded, it had been attacked, it had been burned with fire. Their sons and their daughters had been kidnapped. The wives had been kidnapped. Everything they had had been plundered, stolen. The place had been stripped. Imagine coming home to your house after a vacation and when you get there all that's left is a rubble and smoke that is billowing up imagine having been away on a trip and having left your family and you come home and your wife see David had two wives but one is enough these days two are not legal by the way you can only have one and some of you women are going, you're right, and one husband is more than enough, Pastor. Thank you very much. <laughs> and your wife has been kidnapped, and your kids have been kidnapped. 
mean, what would you do? And the Bible says that those people lifted up their voices and they wept until they could not weep anymore. I don't know if you've ever cried until you have lost all of your strength, but that's what happened. There one commentator said the tear ducts had probably dried up. Nothing else could come out. They're so distraught. Would that not be our response? Your kids are kidnapped. Your wife is kidnapped. Your house is burned. Everything's destroyed. Everything you own is gone. And they all lift up their voice and weep. Until they have no more power to weep. And while I read this story, and I notice the attack, it also reveals some simple principles. Let me share a few of them with you. How about some things that we can do to strengthen our family, number one. If you want to strengthen your family, you got to be there. Everybody say, be there. There is a danger in not being there. I'm not, can I come down here and preach a little bit this morning? I'm not talking physically being there. Though you have to be there physically. I'm talking spiritually, I'm talking mentally, I'm talking emotionally. You've got to be there. There's a danger in not being there. See, I believe the problem was this, or not the problem, the enemy, the Amalekites, didn't come and attack Ziklag until David and his men were gone. And when the spiritual head is absent from the home, the enemy will implement a plan to take your family out. Listen, you can be there in body all day long, but if you never check in mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, the devil will have a heyday in your family. I'm preaching pretty good today, Brother Turpin. Thank you. And if you're going to be there, somebody say be there. You got to be there. You know what it means to be there? You need to initiate conversation in your home. Husbands, you've got to communicate with your wives. Wives, you've got to communicate with your husbands. Parents, whether you're a, a, a two-parent home, a single mom, a single dad, you've got to communicate with your children because more than likely they're not going to volunteer information to you. And please don't deceive yourself. A little Johnny, he's just an angel. He would never do anything bad and not tell me. Are you crazy? I mean, really get your head out of the sand. I mean, my guy, I've got pretty good kids, but I'm not naive enough to believe that they're going to just do right all the time. And when they do wrong, they're just going to come and say, I think I need to tell you what I did the other day. Now, when they're smaller, they do that. Of course, you know what I pray for my kids, don't you? This is a prayer that I pray. I pray that every time they make wrong choices, that they'd get caught every single time. Matter of fact, I even took it a step further some time back, and I said, God, before they ever make the wrong choice, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit would be so strong, they'd be, I mean, ready to puke before they make that decision. And listen, back in grade school, I've had them come home, and they'd tell me, Oh, well, you know, we got silent lunch or got this or got that. and We didn't think we were going to get caught. And I'd say, you know why you got caught, don't you? I prayed you'd get caught and you would reap the consequences for a poor choice. Well, you know why the preacher's kids are so bad, don't you? Because I hang out with the member's kids. 
Isn't that right? If my kids are bad, it's your kid's fault because that's who they hang out with. Initiate conversation. Investigate thoroughly. Listen, I'm not going to get through all this. There are no secrets. If you've got a cell phone, I've got your passcode. Or you don't have a cell phone. If you've got Facebook, as Jensen's got older, oh, you can have Facebook. I'll set it up for you. I'll put the email address in, and I'll put the password in. Oh, Pastor, you're, you're controlling. You're, you're dominant. No, listen, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 50, those kids aren't ready to make decisions and know really what they need to do. Investigate. Well, I, I don't want to make them mad because I want them to be my friend. That's your problem. You're not supposed to be their friend. God, help me be nice today. You're supposed to be their mom or be their dad. you got to be there, though. God, I'm preaching good today. Go in their room and lock their door and don't bug me. Are you joking? My, my 11-year-old went in the other day, slammed her door, and locked it. I knocked on the door and said, have you bumped your head? <laughs> when you hear that little click, I said, you better think again, girlfriend. You don't go and lock your door. Well, I want to talk to you. Well, you don't have to talk to me right now, but you're not going to lock your door because I'll come and take it off the hinge. I may not be able to get it back on. I have to call somebody to put it back on, but I'll take it off. Investigate thoroughly. And listen, intercede immediately. Listen, when you feel something and know something, my God, you don't have to call me right away, though you can. Drop on your knees and get on your face and say, Oh God, I don't know what's going on, but I sense something is not right. I'm going to plead the blood over my family. I'm going to pray over my children. I'm going to pray over my marriage. If you're going to be there, you've got to be there. got to be there. There's a danger in not being there. Listen, there's destruction in not being there. You know when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the enemy who was more crafty than any beast of the field slithered up to Eve and said, did God really say you, you, you can't eat of the fruit of, of the tree in the garden? Here's my question. Where was Adam? Now, I... I I didn't read this anywhere. I didn't get this out of it. Just, just, I'm thinking, where was Adam when all this was going on? We blame Eve all the time, but I, I wonder where the spiritual head was. Man, I don't have time to preach all this today. And by the way, men, I'm the head of the house. Well, then if you're going to be the head of the house, that means you're the spiritual head of the house. You're not a dictator. You're not a tyrant. You don't beat your fist down and say, because I said so. You're the spiritual head of the house. Oh, God, I'm going to make some people mad. and I, I got, I'm anointed. I don't have that. I don't care anointing on me. And if you're going to be really the head of the house and make that claim, then lead your family in prayer and make sure they're here together to worship God and make sure you're setting an example on the things you watch and the things you read and the things you listen to and the things that come out of your mouth. If you're really going to be the head, then take spiritual charge of your house. But kudos to all you mothers, maybe some single moms in this place. You don't have a father. You don't have a dad. You don't have a husband to help you. And you've got to be the head of that house. There's destruction. If you're not there, I just lost half of you. I wonder if it would have turned out differently if Adam had been there. And here's the problem why some of our families crumble because the spiritual head's not there. 
Oh, God, help me. I'm going to say what's on my heart today. Because he invests more time on the lake than he does in his family. Ooh, I got a mean spirit on me today. A mean streak bigger in Texas. But I got some truth for you. He's too busy on the golf course. And there's not a problem with fishing or being on the golf course or liking cars or any other hobby. But if, if, if your family suffers for it, that's a problem. You can't strengthen the family on the golf course every day or on the lake every day or under the hood of your car every day or on your motorcycle every day. The family is only strengthened when you find a place to pray. You devour his word. You bring them together for worship. And then he will strengthen the family. We've got 10 more minutes. I'm going to be done. I promise. And listen, when the head's not there, the enemy will attack your family. I promise. And then we say, well, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I, God, I didn't know. Well, if you'd have been there, you would have, and you could have prayed it and maybe caught it before it happened. Pastor, we didn't come to feel bad today. huh? I love you. Listen, there's deception in not being there. Because the enemy will come and say, it's okay. You don't have to be there. Uh, whoever, I'm talking just to the family today, spiritual head, mother, father, whatever it may be, whatever your family unit consists of. It's okay if you're not there. Nothing's going to happen. Don't worry about getting them to worship together. It's okay. Listen, don't, don't worry about having devotions and prayer time with your kids. It's all right. It won't, it won't matter. Don't, don't worry about taking care of your wife and meeting her needs. And it's all right. You don't have to be there. Nothing's going It's deception. Because the enemy is out, listen, to take, the, take out the head of the family. If you sever a physical head off of someone's body, you know what you lose? You, you, you lose vision, and you lose voice, and you lose hearing. And when you lose vision and you lose voice and you lose he listen the enemy's out to silence the voice and if you lose the voice you lose the truth and the wisdom that comes from the voice and when you lose truth and wisdom the family's wide open for an attack and that isn't that what happened remember when john the baptist confronted herod and herodias because herod had stolen his own brother's wife herodias remember that and what did John the Baptist get up and say? He said, it's wrong. It shouldn't happen. And King Herod threw him in prison because he, he buckled under the pressure of his wife. So they had this big birthday party one day for King Herod. And Herodias' daughter comes into the party and she dances this seductive dance that causes every ember of King Herod's being to burn with lust for her. And, he, you know, and, and just this, this without thinking, whatever you want, sweetheart, up to half my kingdom, you can have it. Hang on, let me ask my mama first. Mama, what should I ask him for? Tell him you want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Because Herodias didn't like the voice of truth that John the Baptist was preaching. And when they took off the head 
of John the Baptist, it silenced the voice of repentance and truth. And the same thing happens spiritually. When the enemy comes into the home that's not strengthened, he wants to sever the head, the spiritual head that speaks truth, that has vision, that has spiritual ears. Because when he does that and he silences the voice, then the attack comes and there's nobody to speak against it or to pray against it or to see it, Brother Stout, before it happens. Second point. You got to be there. Here's the last point. You got to take care. Somebody say, take care. You got to spiritually take care of yourself. I'm telling you, if you don't take care of yourself spiritually, nobody else is going to do it for you. Well, Pastor, that's what we hired you for. No, you didn't, and you didn't hire me, by the way. We need, yeah, I, I pray with you and pray for you, and I am, anytime you need to call me, I'll pray, I'll visit, I'll do whatever I, but you can't, I can't get you to heaven. You know what David did? David said he strengthened, the Bible said David strengthened himself in the Lord. Well, Pastor, we thought we'd just live on your preaching from Sunday to Sunday. God help you if you're trying to do that. Because if you're not where you need to be spiritually, you don't stand a chance against the enemy. David strengthened himself. David said, thy word I've hidden in my heart. It didn't say that the, the high priest put the word in his heart for him. Yeah, you need to hear me preach, but listen, you've got to have time with God on your own. You've got to get that book in you. You've got to have time in the, in the presence of God with this thing called prayer. David encouraged himself. Everybody else is weeping and crying. And then they want to stone him. It's your fault, David. Here's the problem we have, Tony. You better come play and help me lay in this place. Come on. Here's the problem. When things get turned upside down in our home, we want to blame everybody else. And it's my mama and my daddy's fault because, you know, I came from a broken home and they divorced, so it's their fault. No, it's not. Are you all right? And we play the blame game. Well, my marriage is a wreck, so it's got to be my wife's fault. And here's the problem, and I'm not a marriage counselor, and by the way, our marriage is not perfect. She gets on my nerves and I get on hers. Oh, a bunch of chickens. Listen, my home is a lot like yours. I told her the other Friday. I mean, I'm doing our thing, and I just said, you know what? You're wearing me out today. She said, well, I don't say much, but I save it all up. I said, well, hurry up and get done, would you please? Wasn't nothing major, but, you know, just comment here, comment there. You know, and so she got on my nerves on Friday. And probably Monday through Thursday, I got on hers. And here's what we do. Well, I, God, I need you to fix my wife or fix my husband. Why don't you look in the mirror and maybe fix yourself first? I'll, I'm never going to be accused of beating around the bush or not preaching truth. A lot of things I can't do. If your car breaks down, don't call me. If your power gets turned off, don't call me. If you need a, a deck built or stained, don't call me. 
I'll come fix your lunch and pray for you while you do it, but we're not going to get very far. If your tire's flat, don't call me. Seriously. The septic tank gets backed up at 11.30 on Saturday night. Don't call me. I'll put you in touch with the right person. And I don't know how to do a lot of stuff, but there's one thing I am going to do. I'm going to tell you the truth. And you don't need cake. Cake's what you want to hear. I'm not giving you cake. I'm going to give you the truth of the Word of God, the meat of the Word. Stop blaming everybody else for your troubles in your family. Maybe look in the mirror and say, God, what do I need to fix? What does it mean? What does taking care spiritually look like? You ready? I'm going to close with this. I got, I got about 15 more minutes, but I'm going to spare you. Taking care spiritually means that you worship together. That means that somebody in the house has got to, on Saturday night, say, we're going to worship together on Sunday at wherever you attend church. And most of you, that's here. Well, little Johnny's too tired. He didn't feel like getting up. Then drag his backside out of bed. And listen, my family, I promise it's not perfect. I had to physically help my 14-year-olds get stirred this morning. Late night baseball game, you want to say, you're good, but you're getting up in the morning. And a, come on, buddy, get up doesn't work. I mean, you got to. I'm dragging by the feet. I've done it too, but he's getting too big. It hurts my back. You got to worship together. Well, we'll just, we'll have church at home. Stop it. I don't got to go to church to get to heaven. No, you don't. But in these days, if you want to stay connected with God and grow, you need to be in the house of God with your family. Not just your physical, biological family, but your church family. Why do you think the writer of Hebrews said, don't forsake, don't take advantage of the times when you get together. There's strength when we're together. <laughs> Worship together. Here's what else it looks like. Be in the Word. Together. I'm just going to be honest with you. We packed our devotional book that we use at dinner time. I've yet to find it. It's somewhere. And we haven't had family devotions at dinner time in a while. Guess what? It's back. I don't know where it is. Do you know where it is? Okay, we're going to find it. Get the word together. I'll tell you what else you need to do together. You need to work together. Work together. Be a team. Listen, this stuff you've got, you know, mama on one side, daddy on the other side, and mama says, no, I'll go ask daddy. Don't, you know all that does? That creates division. There's only be one vision for your house. That vision comes from God the Father, and when you've got a mama says one thing, daddy says another thing, thus you have division. You have two visions. And a house divided can't stand. How do I feel the Holy Ghost this morning helping me? You know what else you got to do to take care? You got to war together. Sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and you got a good war. Not with each other. Listen, your fight's not with flesh and blood. Listen, your problem, your problem's not with your kids. Though they pluck your nerves. And though they'll drive a Christian person to his knees because he's going to say something he shouldn't say. I know none of you parents ever have that trouble. <clears throat> your fight is not with your kids. Your fight is not with your spouse, but there is principalities and powers. 
spirits of wickedness in high places. There's the kingdom of darkness that's at work that you can't see. Now, there's not a demon and a devil in every bush, but I'm telling you, a lot of things we deal with in the family, it's spiritual warfare. we got to fight together. And that means there may be a time you say, all right, the next three days, we're having a fast. And the kids go, oh, my gosh, we'll die. We can't go without eating. Well, good. You don't have to give up, but we'll take some media for three days. We're going to hear what God's saying to our family. Whatever, like a lead balloon. Well, the kids will get bored if they don't have something to play with. Be all right. We've practiced that. My kids hate it. They for- Listen, we force fast the first of every year. We, everybody gives something up for 21 days. That's called warring together. Some people are thinking, we don't want to live in your house, Pastor. No, that, we have, listen, how you start the year determines how the year goes. And you got to war. You got to fight first of the year, middle of the year. But you got to fight together, not against one another. Come on, stand up quickly. Take care. You got to be there. Because if you're not there, if you're not there, it's bad. I'm going to let you go in just a minute, I promise. Look right here at me for just a moment. You know what Jesus said? He said, how do you enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods without binding the strong man first? Then you'll plunder his house. If the enemy can bind the strong man, the strong woman, the spiritual head, he'll plunder your house. You know what? There's probably some folks today. You're probably not real thrilled with some of the things I've said. But if you don't take care spiritually, and you're not there, your family's going to suffer attack. It will. It will come when you're weak, and when the family is not strong, the attack comes. Here's the last thing. You know what else you do to strengthen the family? You've got to engage in warfare. And I close with this. There's strength in the struggle. You get stronger when you have to fight. And sometimes you spiritually got to fight. You know what David did when he found out where the Amalekites were and all the stuff that they had taken? He goes down there. When he gets down there, they're having a party. Read, read the last part of 1 Samuel 16, 17, 18, and 19. Read it. They're having a party. They are, we've stolen his wives, his children. We've got everything he owns. I mean, they're having, the Amalekites are celebrating at his expense. You know what the devil's been doing with some of you? He's been having a party at your expense. Because you don't care enough to fight or you're too tired to fight. And if you're too tired to fight, I'm praying the power of God strengthens some men and women today to fight. If you don't care, because you've got this, this picture, man, I feel bold here today. You've got this picture the enemy's painted. Well, she's not taking care of your needs or he's not taking care of your needs. And this, this grass is greener on the other side. Stop it and stop it now. It's a trick of the enemy. bit of time, but just buckle up for a minute. We come into church and we dress it up and we paint it up and we put a tie on it and we do all that we do and we come down to the altar and we smile and act like it's all good and all hell is breaking loose in your home. What are you going to do about it? Pastor, you seem angry. I'm not angry with you, but I'm tired of people that will just lay down with the enemy walk on their family. 
Oh, it's just how it's going to be. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, Pastor, you know this marriage, it's just, you know, it's too far gone. Well, how much do you have invested? If you've got 10, 15, 20 years invested, it's not. You've got more invested. You can't give up on it. David goes down. He says, God, should I attack? And God says, go for it, boy. Not in those words, but I'm paraphrasing. And David goes down there, and the Bible says from twilight of that evening, from twilight until the evening of the next day, David and those men fought. The Bible says they recovered everything, Pastor Tony. His wives, his children, all of his goods, material. He recovered everything. He found strength in the struggle. You got to fight. You got to fight. But listen, you've got to strengthen the family. Before you start in warfare, you gotta strengthen the family. You gotta be there, you gotta take care, then you gotta roll your sleeves up and you gotta go to battle. Your family is worth the effort. Your marriage is worth the effort. My God, the soul of your children are worth the effort. Eternity matters. Bow your heads for just a moment, Father, in the name of Jesus. today this word this word is a word to encourage this word is a word to bring strength but this word is also a word of warning says the Holy Spirit there are paths that your mind has gone down there are things that you have that you have seen in your spiritual mind and I that if you're not careful and you cross that threshold it will be disaster says the Spirit of God I call on you today says the Spirit of the Lord to strengthen those things that remain do not throw the towel in yet do not quit yet do not wave the white flag of surrender yet says the Spirit of God but strengthen today the family. Be strengthened today in your spirit. Be encouraged today in your heart. And if you'll fight one more round and you'll take one more step, I will come alongside of you, says the Spirit of God, and I will empower you to do what your family needs at this moment. Let me strengthen the family today, says the Lord. raise up your hands in this place if you've never been in this kind of church that's the Holy Spirit witnessing through tongues and interpretation it's a New Testament principle he still speaks to the church like that today if you're here today and you need your family to be strengthened whether all your family lives with you doesn't live with you but if your family unit today needs to be strengthened look at me everybody look at me 
I'm not going to wait for Pastor Tony to sing. I'm not going to do the one, two, three deal. I'm serious today. This is a, a powerful moment I believe God's brought us to. If you need your family today to be strengthened, I want you to get out of your pew and just come right now with your family. Whether they will come or not, I just want you to. It'd be great if you'd come together, but just come. Hurry. Hurry.